0: It did. I think I wrote that book I think in 2015 and in 2010 the the character in the book finds the dog exactly how I found our dog, thrown away in an alley. And I did not want another dog. We already had one. There's the other dog. <laughs> She's like, wait, wait. But um Funnily enough, yeah, this year, sadly, that dog passed away last year. We were very sad, but she, uh, she was the, we call her Annie, but she was the basis, basis for Tulip. She was part pit bull, but mostly just a big baby. And, but because she had the big blocky head, um, I took her to the vet and he said, you know, she will get put down because there's like an insane amount of pit bulls get put down every day. So, um she just fit into the house. We kept her, much like this other one <laughs> that we, my son found in January. That's, you know, Ellie. We named her uh, Ellie for Eleanor, because he found her running down a street called Roosevelt, so she's Eleanor Roosevelt. But now Ellie, who is also part pit bull, but Labrador, just a massive head and just wants to play ball all the time. But yeah, anyway, uh, tulip from the book was totally Annie, but could be Ellie, too. <laughs>
1: Hey everyone welcome to the 12th episode of try reading here with me today is jen mckinley jen is the new york times usa today and publisher's weekly best-selling author of several mystery and romance series such as the library lovers mystery series the bluff point romance series and the cupcake bakery mystery series and so much more she is also the winner (laughs) of the RT Reviewer's Choice Award for a Romantic Comedy and Fresh Fiction Award for Best Cozy Mystery. Her work has been translated into multiple languages in countries all over the world. As a TEDx speaker, Jen is always happy to talk books, writing, reading, and the creative process to anyone who cares to listen. So it's a good thing she's here today. How are you, Jen?
0: I'm doing great. Nice to see you, Gabriel. We've uh, chatted a lot through email, but it's nice to have a face.
1: Yes, it's good to see you as well, and I've heard so much about you from Christina, who was on episode lovely. three. Yeah, yeah. so me. it's, and it's so wonderful to have read your books, and now to see you and to be talking with you. Um, well, a question I always start off the podcast with is, what is your current read, or maybe you recently read something that you'd love to share about?
0: Wow, um, that's, a, that's always a good question, and I'm a former librarian, so I'm all over that. I have been on a weird nonfiction reading thing, um, and I don't know why, but I right now I'm reading "Allow Me to Retort: A Black Guy's Guide to the Constitution," um, just because I feel like. The way the world is going, it wouldn't hurt to have some insight into the constitution, primarily the amendments. So, anyway, I feel smarter for reading it. And um, Mr. Mistel is a great author, so he makes it funny and accessible. So, that's one. And then, um, Tabitha Brown, who I've been stalking for like two or three years on Instagram because she's so positive and you just need that shot of positivity. I read, or actually, I listened to her book, um, Feeding the Soul, I think is what it's called, but she's lovely. And then for fiction, I should say, I just discovered Colleen Hoover, who, you know, it's like, way to say to everybody, you're Gen X, and you have no idea what's going on Book talk, I have no idea. I don't even know how to work it. I make my assistant do it. <laughs> but um, I walked into Barnes & Noble and there's this whole table of Colleen Hoover, which, you know, everybody else has been reading for, I guess, 10 years. So I tried one. I think uh, It Ends With Us is the one I read. Yes. And oh my gosh, so good, so good. So I get it, I'm on the Hoover train, I'm in.
1: (laughs) She has become, especially with TikTok and social Mm -hmm. media, it's just insane how popular her books have become and you see it everywhere now.
0: I know, and I feel like, you know, she's one of those authors who really did her time. So I feel like, you go girl, I'm glad everybody found you. I just started reading, her book Verity, which I think is a little bit different, but I won't talk about it because I'm only in the beginning and I have no idea what's gonna happen. So no spoilers for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's wonderful. And nonfiction is always a nice different dive into reading. Yeah, yeah. and
0: I've never read nonfiction, like I've always been like, ugh, uh, and but I don't know. Lately I'm kind of locking in. I think there's just a lot of really interesting stories out there, like Tabitha Brown's story. I also read um can't hurt me, David Goggins, who is, if you ever are feeling like you can't do something, read that book, you'll feel like you can run the world. I mean, he's an amazing, an amazing story. So, so yeah, wow. it's been a kind of a weird journey for me this year.
1: Yeah, well, I've gotten some new titles to add to my list, so thank you. <laughs> um, I just started like pretty much on page one, so I've barely read anything, but I started a book called Jay's Gay Agenda. And it's a YA um, contemporary romance novel written by an author named Jason June. And it's his first uh, YA novel. He's written middle grade and picture books before. And it came out about a year ago now. And I'd really wanted to read it. And then I never picked it up, but now I'm super (laughs) excited. So yeah, so we'll have to see how it goes
0: there's some amazing work coming out. I mean, so much more diverse, so exciting. I read, um, well, I've read casing. I think McQuiston, cause we had together. Yes. <laughs> so I always like, Oh, there she is right next to me. But, um, I love her work. And then I read, um, the charm defensive or the charm offensive. Oh, I can never, which one, I can't, well, whatever. I, I can't do. remember the author either. So, but I loved it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think it's the charm. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah.
0: yeah charm, um, I haven't, I don't know. I haven't read it, but it,
1: yeah, it's been on my list as well. Yeah, there's a lot of great books. Yeah. Well, um, my first question for you, and I kind of always ask this to everyone, but what got you into books and reading?
0: Oh, yeah. Um, my mom. My mom was a librarian, a school librarian when I was growing up. So my brother and I, after school, always kind of killed time in her library. So we were surrounded by books. We couldn't escape it. (laughs) And then when I became a teenager, I got a job working in the library. And I, I don't know, books were just always a part of my life. You know, my mom read to us. I read to myself. I mean, it was just I don't know books and then I think I was about 16 and then I realized writing was actually a job and that was like oh this is a career so that was I think the turning point for me
1: is that what then led you to become a librarian your mom
0: or... yeah pretty much I mean it was a uh, growing up in the library so it was a very safe comfortable happy space for me and I loved reading so that added to it and then when I started working in one it was like oh you know and then I went to college and I was you know an English major because about 16 I decided to do the writing thing and of course naturally you think you're going to be an English major and then I realized the jobs were like teaching and I was like I don't like children so (laughs) that's not going to work um and then it was I was you know True story, I was like recovering from a hangover in college and uh, sitting there and I was just like, oh, this is quiet, I could do this. So it kind of came full circle and I was like, I'm gonna be a librarian and I'll be surrounded by books and it'll be great and uh, yeah. And then I'll pursue writing on the side, you know, cause you gotta have a side right. hustle.
1: <laughs> right. Well, you're right. That was a very full circle moment for you. Yeah, um, well, you had said, you know, your mom was really the inspiration for books and reading when you were younger, but was there a specific book or author or maybe just a specific person that kind of kept that love for books going even into your teenage years and so on?
0: I think when you become a reader, it just kind of grows with you. I never had a particular author, but I loved all genres, So I read science fiction, fantasy, mystery, romance, books were just escapism for me I don't want to think I don't want to have I don't I just don't I want to not be where I am (laughs) that's why I'm reading so uh probably like um the authors who really put all of it together for me so like Elizabeth Peters uh Crocodile on the Sandbank. you had historical fiction with a female archaeologist um you know, Greek, no, Egyptian mythology and a romance where she ends up with another archaeologist or something like that. But I mean, it was just, it was adventure and history and romance. So it was all the whole thing. So those are the authors that really kind of guided me through.
1: Yeah, well, that's wonderful. Um, Was there a book? I mean, I know you just sort of said that, but when you were younger and it could have been a picture book too but a book that you just kind of grew up loving or kept rereading
0: oh yeah um I think if I remember right I was a huge Maurice Sendak fan so it was like where the wild things are (laughs) which so makes me feel like it's my life still but um and that one I can picture I can hear it I can see it I can hear it being read to me um loved it and then of course I rolled on to Nancy Drew and Anne of Green Gables and you know all that check 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 and I loved them all you know there's so many I think that's what's interesting like when I was growing up it didn't feel like we had as much to read and now I feel like I'm going to die and I'm going to make them bury my to be red pile with me because I'm never going to get to read it all. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I just don't think there was that many books back then, but maybe it was just my child perspective. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I think obviously, you know, there's more just every day. I feel like there's a new, Oh, there's another book or, you know, got to add that one. Yeah. yeah. And you're right. As children I think we just had our favorite authors or you know Mm -hmm. books that were gifted to us or books that we grew up with but then as we really looked for other authors or got recommendations or you know then there's like the reviews by other authors on the title and you see oh that you know so it's just all these other branches open up and book talk. Don't forget book talk. Exactly. <laughs> That's been, <laughs> it's been a downfall of being on book talk. Of just like every day, I add yeah, a new title. Have, have right. You know,
0: I have to, you know.
1: <laughs> exactly. Well, um, when you were in college, uh, you had said. Then you sort of realized, or sort of after you had sort of realized, you know writing is a good sort of side gig and but was there a specific point that you remember you know oh I'm going to be an author or that's what you really wanted to do
0: yeah I think I knew when I was 16 but I also knew that I wasn't ready so I didn't actually sit down to write until I was about 25 so I went to college got the degree and then know started noodling ideas and stuff um but worked full-time and realized wow full-time and writing a book is hard especially when I started writing I wasn't working off outlines it was more like sit down blank page every day where's the story going I don't know you know that kind of so it was a lot it took me a lot longer to write what I can write much more efficiently now because I outline and I kind of hope I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I hope I've learned something. So I forgot where I was going.
1: <laughs> well, note just that um, you knew that you wanted to be an author when you were 16 but you know you really worked towards it once you got older.
0: Yeah, when I was 25 and then it was more, this is terrible. I, I worked in a small town in Connecticut. And the people were lovely and it was a beautiful library and i I really i enjoyed my time there as a librarian but i just so didn't want to be a librarian for the rest of my life and it was just and i knew it it's like i liked ordering the fiction and i liked helping people but it was like wow 40 hours a week is like a lot you know so that was kind of it was three years of kind of paying off all the student loan debt getting ahead of things and then just being like hmm what do I really want to do? And that's kind of when I went all in on writing and it took a long time to get published. So commitment Commitment is key.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And you stuck with it and now (laughs) it's paid off. So Uh, when you were younger and, you know, when you sort of had that first idea of wanting to be an author, was there someone in your life that modeled the author aspect for you or was it just from reading?
0: I think I had a real glorified idea of what the author life was. I didn't have anybody personally in my life but like i saw the movie romancing the stone and then there was a couple that in the 80s there was a lot of, and i was young back then but um there was a lot of author characters so i would see their life and they always lived in like a huge house near the beach you know they had assistants they were glamorous and i was like oh i can yeah, sign me up that sounds good I'm in, and then I had no idea that it's nothing (laughs) like that. It's ugly, and it's sad, and it's lonely, and I had no idea, but yeah, so I was sold a bill of goods, I think. I think Hollywood's uh, version of the writer messed me up, but here I am.
1: (laughs) For your education in college, you studied library science, if I'm correct, Mm -hmm how do you feel that's helped you now as an author and whether for specific books or just in general
0: Uh, absolutely in general the one thing about being a librarian is um you get to see a different side of the book industry you know a lot I hear a lot of authors say oh you know uh, and it's only the you know authors that are whatever but um they'll say you know don't buy that don't get the book at the library you need to buy it you need to support me and what they don't realize is that there are more libraries in the United States than there are McDonald's and people don't believe me when I say that but it is true so yay yay us number one but number two that's billions of books bought you know what I mean so for me it's like I got to see the other side of the life the library world like how they select books um You know, I was lucky enough to work here in Phoenix in a city of, I think at the time it was 17 branches. I don't even know if there's more now. And the head of collections would be like, I'm going to get your books out to all the branches. And I was just like, yay, because Phoenix is modeled by Houston, modeled by Denver. So then all those cities. So then I look at it as all those patrons have an opportunity to find those books and then hopefully, you know, become a fan or a reader or whatever. So But even more than that, so I got to see a side of the book industry I think a lot of people don't pay attention to, and they should. But the other part of it was, I learned how to do research, and especially for writing mysteries, or writing foreign locations. um, I knew how to dig deep. Like, when I was writing, I have a hat shop, a London hat shop mystery series, and I wanted to go walk the streets, eat in the restaurants, listen to the people talk, you know, all those things you do when you're doing research. And unfortunately, I think there was a bombing or something because I was going to take my sons and my husband was like, yeah, no, <laughs> not until they know what's going on. I was like, ah. So I couldn't go, but I had sold the idea. So I had to come up with the book. So it was Google Earth. And then using those library skills, I knew what newspapers to go online to read, I knew how to like read reviews for restaurants, I looked at TripAdvisor to see, you know, what people said they ate at this restaurant, so then I'd write that restaurant in the book and we ate that, (laughs) so it was being a librarian kind of taught me how to think that way, you know, research and deep dive and go that extra layer, so yeah, it was definitely the best uh, major I could have taken for what I want to do.
1: Well, that's an incredible. And there's more libraries than there are McDonald's, which yes. is insane. I know. But that's great. I mean.
0: I know. Everybody's yeah. always like, hey. and like, no, it's true. It's really true.
1: Wow. At the beginning of your journey as an author and when you started out writing, were there any inspirational authors or mentors for you?
0: there was at the time there was a lot of really great writing organizations and in those you'd meet some authors and I was fortunate enough um like I joined Mystery Writers of America and Sisters in Crime and at the time Romance Writers of America which I'm not really sure what's happening with it now they've had some controversy so I don't know if they're still going but way back when I first started they were very active They held contests, you could send in a chapter, they would judge them and red pen them. And I actually learned so much more entering those contests and getting uh, writers who were published to critique my work, you know, red pen it. I mean, it was painful to get it back, but it was like, oh, point of view is important. (laughs) Stuff like, you know, as a reader, you're not breaking it down, you're just having a good time. So uh, I think the, you know, for wannabe writers, Find out what organizations are in your area. There's usually a ton, and they usually have a meeting once a month, and they're your people. I mean, they're trying to write too. They understand your brain is different than everybody else's. <laughs> you know, so i I felt really fortunate to have so many opportunities like that.
1: yeah. well, what you said, finding your people is yes. good. And- yeah. And that kind of goes for a lot of things even outside of the book world but
0: definitely um, like you know the kind of type of stuff you like to read you know you don't want to you like to talk to people who like what you like <laughs> no haters no
1: right well what was your first uh published book
0: my first book so I started writing when I was 25 and I finally sold my first book when I was 31 And it was a rom-com set in Phoenix, and it was called To Catch a Latte. And it was published by Harlick way, way back in the day. So, and I wrote like three little rom-coms for them. So it was a nice entry into publishing and how it works. I learned a lot. (laughs) But um, yeah, they they kind of fired me. So there there was that.
1: (laughs) How long did it take for your first book to get picked up by... The publishers and
0: well I wrote about I started writing at 25 and I want to say I wrote almost six full books. You know, I was trying to do some historicals and some mysteries and some romance. And this one just happened to be a romantic comedy. And I wrote it and sent it in. And an entire year went by before they called me to tell me they were going to publish it. And in that year I'd gotten married, had a kid So when they called, I was just like, what what are you talking about? And she was like, "Uh, your book, you know, and and it was so it was hilarious because I was holding my newborn son and she said, usually people scream right now. And I'm like, yeah, no, that would wake up the baby. (laughs) So it was so that's I mean, and that's just how slow publishing doesn't move much faster now. It's like you can cut off some of the time using email to submit queries and stuff. But honestly, they get back to you when they feel like it and you're just kind of you know, wait. It's a great job, really.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, what was like that or what was that like for you in that time of no response and not knowing what was going through your mind?
0: I just in in that case, I actually just forgot about it before that. I used to, you know, race to the mailbox because it was by mail, not email. And, uh, you know, I'd get the rejection and be all sad. I have like a stack It's it's about an inch thick of rejections from publishers and agents, Uh, you know, but it was worth it. I mean, when I think about it, it's like I really can't imagine doing anything else. So it was probably good that I persisted.
1: Well, I'm so glad it was worth it. (laughs) (laughs) And What was the publishing process once it did get published and once it was out in bookstores and being sold? What was that like for you?
0: It was pretty thrilling because you know it—it's so hard to be published traditionally. I mean, even it—that's the one thing that hasn't changed. It's still very difficult to get in, and when you finally make it, it kind of validates everything you've been working towards. So You just feel like oh, I'm in the club, yay! You know, but then what happens is you know you had forever to write that first book. Like I think it took me a couple of years to write that first to catch a latte. And then they sign you up for a contract for another book, but then they want that other book, you know, quickly. So, and the whole process is you write the book, you turn it in, hopefully they buy it, they send it back for revisions, you revise it, you send it back, they send it back with copy edits, you send it back, they send it back as the galley proofs you approve them and then it finally comes out and you're by then you're probably already done with the next book and you're like I've done book talks where they're like so in this book when you and I'm like I don't even know what you're talking about so much has happened since I wrote that you know so yeah it's crazy it's a weird business
1: yeah I'm sure and just so much going on even though from the outside it may seem like you have kind of like this and then this but there's just all these interconnected. oh it's
0: crazy it's like let me see I don't know if I can show you but this is my whiteboard just of outlines what's coming out you know wow and then you know when I can write through something I'm like (laughs) yeah
1: well that sort of leads me on to my next question of um how soon after did you write or go on to write and publish your next book
0: I think um I think I was I can't remember if it was a two book contract or a three book contract because it was you know a while ago but um I want to say I turned a book it was kind of they had me on a book a year kind of schedule so you sell that one then you start writing the next one and then you're going through the process of revising copy editing while you're writing the next one. So, yeah. And then I had a, I think my last romantic comedy came out in 2005 and then I switched to mysteries and my first mystery came out in 2009. So I had about a four year gap that was very, I'm sure I was a lot of fun to live with.
1: <laughs> and just the you know, you have to be really patient, I'm sure. And just excited and also nervous.
0: nervous, And how's it going to do? And then, you know, there's always somebody who's going to hate your book, there's always somebody who's going to love your book, you know, my advice, I, in the beginning, I used to read reviews, and now I never read reviews, because I don't need that kind of negativity in my life, (laughs) but also even the positivity, you know, if someone says you're great, that makes me feel like, but am I, I could be better, you know, so it's, for me, it's better if I don't have the voices in my head, and just tell the story, I'm afraid if I read a review, it could skew how I write something. So I'm very I will read reviews if my agent tells me I have to read them because they're good <laughs> or they're you know book list or library journal or publishers weekly or somebody like you should know what they wrote about you even if it's not nice. It's like okay, <laughs> you know, so
1: well that's that's smart and it makes sense to not like, read yeah, I mean, get in your
0: head, you know, and you don't want that.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. So, on my, I have two of your books. One is About a Dog, and the other is Books Can Be Deceiving. And on About a Dog, it says New York Times bestselling author Jen McKinley. However, on Books Can Be Deceiving, it doesn't. So, at what point did your books start becoming bestsellers?
0: Um, It started with the mysteries and. I wanna say the first one that hit the New York Times was, I think it was the second Cupcake Bakery mystery. And then Books Can Be Deceiving, I think hit on like an extended list, but then the second book in that one hit. And then I just, it was the New York Times at that point had um, a mass market bestsellers list and all of my mysteries were coming out in mass market. So they would hit, so most of the, the mysteries hit. And then (laughs) New York Times were like, no, we're not doing mass market anymore. And I was like, no. So, but the nice thing about hitting the Times list is you get to keep that. (laughs) They can't take it away. (laughs) Like when I die, that's going to be on my headstone. Your lies, New York Times, especially author. Because I read a statistic, something like the odds of hitting the New York Times list, you know, for if you put all the authors together, it was something like the odds of hitting, it was like one in 5,000. So I was just like, I'll take it
1: wow
0: it was like it's pretty cool you know so it was amazing when it hit I remember just being shocked just like that you're like is this a joke (laughs) are you pranking me (laughs) but it was there and then when you see it in print you're like I've arrived but you know what's funny is there's always something else so then there's the publisher's weekly list and you want to hit that one and then there's the USA Today list and you want to hit that one and then the weirdest thing happened just last week and I thought this was the coolest thing ever because I didn't know they don't tell you do you ever watch Jeopardy yes they used the title of one of my books as a Jeopardy clue and it was the $1,000 one so I felt very good about that but it was just like somehow being a Jeopardy thing I felt like I've arrived (laughs) And it was the same feeling as hitting the times list. Like, you know, so yeah, it was pretty cool.
1: And it's so unique. I mean, how many people, how many authors can say, you know, my book was on, featured on Jeopardy, yeah.
0: And what's so funny is the woman who hosts it I don't think she's, I think she's a little bit younger than me. Anyway, I know her as Blossom from a show a million years ago. It's like Mayim Balak, or I don't know how to say her name. But then um, my son saw the Jeopardy thing and he's like, oh, hey, that chick from the Big Bang Theory said the name of your book. And I'm just like, wow, this is so weird. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's cool. It was pretty cool.
1: I can only imagine that would be so exciting. What made you choose to write romance and mystery? It's two very different genres.
0: They are very different. Um, I was writing a couple of different mystery series at the same time. And then, you know, you always listen to the industry, like what's happening. And I got this hinky feeling that uh, things were not going well for mysteries. Like they were kind of cutting back. Some authors weren't getting renewed. Some editors were leaving. And I was like, oh, here we go again. So I figured I'd better you know, double down on another genre. So I'm not unemployed because this, by then I had left the library. So this was like you know, my job, job, job. So I went to New York and I saw my editor and I was just like, okay, how's everything in mysteries? Oh, it's fine. And I was like, Whoa. So theoretically, if it wasn't fine, what else could I do? <laughs> and she was like, well, you couldn't write romantic comedy. And I was just like, okay, okay. So I did.
1: Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a lot of what you see today, especially, are just rom-coms in, you know, all types of media.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, how are you able to separate the romance brain and the mystery brain when you're writing or coming up with ideas?
0: That's a that's a really good question. Um, because... Weirdly, I kind of feel like both genres made me better in the other genre, if that makes sense. I think because rom-coms are emotionally driven, so you have to torture your characters, which I'm not super good at because I always feel bad because I like them, I don't want to torture them. But you yeah. gotta. so <laughs> I kind of learned how to do that a little bit more effectively and I think I was able to bring that over to the mysteries so I think my you know there's a lot of subplots there's a lot of um ensemble casts in the mysteries it's always a group of friends you know one main sleuth but then they always kind of have a squad and it gives me a lot to play with you know who's hooking up with who and what's doing what and, you know yeah, that kind of thing and then for mysteries, I think they helped me write romances in the sense that I wasn't doing the blank page anymore where I was trying to navigate this couple. It was just like, no, there really has to be a plot where stuff that's really critical like happens. You can't just, you know, it's a misunderstanding. If they just have one conversation, everything will be fine. <laughs> you know? I hate that. So I think the mysteries really helped me layer my romances and my romances helped me warm up and characterize my mysteries a little bit more so they kind of fit together
1: yeah and that's I'm um, that's great that they do and um I wouldn't have thought of that but how you describe it makes sense perfectly and that it works yeah well when you're writing do you have um a writing buddy or like a pet that's nearby you when you write or whether any type of animal
0: I have too many <laughs> Have you seen that video that's gone viral and it's this guy who parks on the side of the road and he's got his camera on and he's like, oh, hey, here's this little kitten and he's just walking down the side of the road. He's going to get hit and he picks him up and he's cute and you get the zoom in of the kitten and then he looks to the weeds and all of a sudden kittens come out of the we- Like, I think he ended up with 13 kittens. Okay, that guy is me. <laughs> <laughs> I just... We just got a a rescue dog in January. Now we're fostering like four kittens. I have three cats already and two dogs, two fish that won't die. Fish are supposed to die. These will not die. I have a beta fish that's going on three. (laughs) I know they're not supposed to live that long. Oh, I think we had hamsters that lived four years. I don't know. There's something in my environment. So anyway, yeah so I have way too many pets around you know and usually I'll be working and someone will come in and yell at me or drop a ball or you know whatever and as for a group I have uh, two writer buddies that are also mystery writers as writer probably my uh, closest writer friends Paige Shelton and Kate Carlisle and we do plot group together because we've all written I think double digit mysteries, like we're all pushing, you know, 20, 30 mysteries, and you run out of ways to kill people, and you forget what you've written, so we all read each other's work, and then we get together, and it's like, okay, well, I have to write a Christmas mystery around the cupcake bakery, I need a reason, who's, you know, there. and they'll be like, well, you already drowned a guy, so maybe you should <laughs> blunt trauma this one, it's like, oh, yeah, you're right, you're right, <laughs> So we try to get we pretty much zoom like uh Kate Paige is local with me in the Phoenix area and Kate is in California so we tend to zoom but we used to before the pandemic we would get a hotel and stay for 3 days and like plot out you know our next books together like really in depth and stuff like that so I'm very fortunate cuz they keep me on task you know
1: Yeah well I used to have a fish and a dog. I thought that was a lot. <laughs> clearly you've outmatched me.
0: <laughs> yes. I have kittens if anybody wants kittens. <laughs> Free to a home. Hmm.
1: What helps you come up with ideas when you're writing?
0: I used to say um, being a public servant, you know, a librarian. Uh, even though I was only part-time, I was with the public enough that I, I had a lot of... <laughs> anger issues <laughs> because you know people are tough so um i used to say it was that but i've been out of the business almost 10 years now so i'm like hey eh, you don't really have that anymore so for me what i started doing is i don't really watch true crime but i will go in and look at cold cases a lot just to see because they haven't been solved so then i don't have a solution you know, making the ending for me, but if I go in and it's a cold case and, you know, you'll read about, say a woman was murdered and then these were the suspects, but they can never pin it on them. And I'll read it and I'll just be like, Ooh, who do I think it was? Or, you know, what are they missing? (laughs) I play like amateur sleuth and that'll help me kind of get the fire going to come up with a mystery of my own. So I'll take that and then change it, you know, to suit the book and the characters and the setting and that sort of thing. And then I can solve it, which makes you know, makes me feel better.
1: <laughs> yeah. And the, the true crime is very smart of not, or not the true crime, sorry, the cold cases of not having it solved yet. And then it helps you figure out, okay, how can I sort of work to it? And then as I'm writing or after realize, you know, okay, that's how, it can be resolved
0: exactly that's who it was <laughs> yeah.
1: right well um have you ever gotten into a, a writer's block and if so what has helped you through it
0: I have been I've been really fortunate I've been writing um full-time for almost 10 years and probably 20 years mm-hmm. more than that maybe yeah 25 years uh total but I've never I've never really had writer's block I've had um stories that just didn't um flesh out you know like I had an idea and I thought it was great and then I started to write a proposal for it and then I just couldn't lock it down but then I would just be like okay start over clean slate come up with something else and you know so I don't really look at it as a block I kind of look at it more as um it just wasn't a story that gave me enough to work with, you know. And then sometimes elements of those ideas will come back, and I can use them. But for the for the most part, it's like me and now I just wasn't it just wasn't working.
1: Yeah, that's um, a little similar. The last guest I had on um, also talked about not really having writer's block, and there was a more uh, detailed description of something the guests had learned about writer's block and a fact about it, but um, two in a row now, experienced <laughs> so maybe <laughs> that, yeah, uh, but that's, yeah, that's a good thing, um, yeah, and sometimes um, the guests I explain, like, maybe it's the specific project that you're working on, or it's uh, something for you just in your life that's blocking you um, mm-hmm. from ideas or writing, but. Well, I'm glad you haven't had too many (laughs) struggles, but um, how do you, and you sort of mentioned this um, about meeting with your writing buddies, but how do you keep coming up with different ideas, especially for mysteries?
0: Yeah, the mysteries are uh, tricky because I have two series that are always going and then a third one that I just kind of, when I have time, I'll I'll write another one. Um, A lot of it, I think is character driven because at this point I have enough mysteries out that the world is established. So when I write a mystery, I can kind of step back and be like, well, what, what should happen to this community this time? And then I'll go look at those cold cases and I'll be like, Ooh. (laughs) So it's kind of a combination of knowing the world that you've built and then seeing what'll fit in with where the characters are in their lives.
1: Yeah. And once you have the, World, like you said, you have a base for it. So then it's what happens within that world.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So, if I'm correct, you wrote under a pen name for two series, I think.
0: I did. I wrote um, under Lucy Lawrence for one, and then I wrote under Josie Bell for another. And those were um, the Lucy Lawrence one was like a little decoupage mystery series, and it was kind of how I broke into mysteries where I was submitting ideas but they didn't really like them and then I uh my agent said oh they have an idea for a mystery and they want someone to execute it and I was just like okay I'll give it a shot and so they signed me up to write those but I kind of had a feeling decoupage wasn't going to be a super (laughs) thrill so that's when I started coming up with my own ideas because now I sort of knew what they were looking for so it was kind of like my doorway to scooch in there.
1: Yeah that's so fun and it I've never met an author that has written under a pen name so that's so cool yeah well I was fortunate enough to read about a dog and books can be deceiving as i mentioned and both are the first in two different series of yours the bluff point romance series and the Library Lovers mystery series. And they were so much fun for about a dog. I it was, it was such a fun romance story. And the I'm, you know, there's stuff that happens. I don't want to spoil anything, but <laughs> there's some twists and um like jaw-dropping moments that um I really enjoyed. And oh, yeah. yeah, and the mystery too. I just like from chapter one, it was I was excited and I loved that it took place, you know, in not in a library, but you know, the main character was a librarian and a lot of the parts were told from the library. Um, And so both of them just were so intriguing and so much fun. Uh, But what was the start of the inspiration for the Bluff Point romance series?
0: That was, um, it came really quickly to mind. I, I had that meeting in New York with my agent and she said, you can write romantic comedy. And I was literally riding the train from New York to New Haven um, with my mom and my sons, because we had spent you know the week in New York just doing New York as you do. And uh my mom and I were sitting there, and of course the boys just, I don't know, went to hijack the train or whatever. And I was just like, well, you know, if I write a rom com, what do I want? And I'm like, well, I want animals in it. Shocking, I know. And I said, I think it has to be, you know, a veterinarian hero, because those guys are awesome and and then it just started kind of falling into place where you know it's someone going home to you know a place she hasn't been for a long time and then you find out why (laughs) and you know because I think everybody you know even if you stay in your hometown there's times even if you just go on vacation and you come home you always have that feeling of coming home and the people that are there that you love and you know so it was just it was kind of nice to write a book about going home and revisiting the past and second chances and, you know, stuff like that.
1: Of course. And it gave, it gave a very like cozy feeling um, yeah. when reading it. If I'm correct, you found a stray dog um, sort of like Mac, the main character of About a Dog, did. Did that give you something to work off of for this story and what happens to her?
0: it did I think I wrote that book I think in 2015 and in 2010 the the character in the book finds the dog exactly how I found our dog like thrown away in an alley and I did not want another dog we already had one there's the other dog (laughs) she's like wait right but um and funnily enough, yeah, this year, sadly, that dog passed away last year. We were very sad, but she, uh, she was the, we called her Annie, but she was the base of, basis for Tulip. She was part pit bull, but mostly just a big baby. And but because she had the big blocky head, um, I took her to the vet and he said, you know, she will get put down because there's like an insane amount of pit bulls get put down every day. So um She just fit into the house. We kept her much like this other one (laughs) that my son found in January. That's, you know, Ellie. We named her uh, Ellie for Eleanor because he found her running down a street called Roosevelt. So she's Eleanor Roosevelt. But now Ellie, who is also a part pit bull, but Labrador, just a massive head and just wants to play ball all the time. But yeah, anyway, uh, Tulip from the book was totally Annie, but could be Ellie too.
1: (laughs) That's so sweet. And um, I love how she had such a special role in being a model for a character.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was great. It was great.
1: Well, since you also worked in a library and studied library science in college, how do you feel or what did that really help you when writing and coming up with ideas for the Library Lovers Mystery Series?
0: It's been a huge help. And even though I've left and I've been gone, you know for a long time I still have so many friends that are librarians so I can just kind of like hey what's going on in library world you know and they give me the how it's changing because it's always changing but uh, yeah working there it's just the fear the one fear I had when I started the library mysteries was that it would be really boring because I you know when you know something too well they say write what you know But I thought, well, if you know it too well, you can become so boring because, I mean, library is a fun job, but there's also a lot of like, I mean, you see the numbers on the spines. It's like, we're very particular. (laughs) We can be very you know, exacting. And I'm like, if I get into, it's called cuttering, when you put the numbers on spines, how you figure out where they go. I'm like, if I broke that down, people are gonna be like, (laughs) <laughs> well, I was actually kind of nervous about it I'm like this could be really boring but you know
1: and I think it helped I mean I can't say but um maybe it helped to know at least sort of how the mind of a librarian works and um when they're in their space of the library kind of how they think or what they do and clearly oh, you know
0: definitely, definitely. yeah I think so
1: so about a dog is set in Maine if I'm correct mm-hmm. and the library lovers at least the first one is set in Connecticut what made you choose to set at least both those books on the east coast
0: that's where I grew up I mean been in I've been in Phoenix um, for almost 30 years, but I grew up in Connecticut. That's where I got my library degree. So the main book, I think when I was kind of coming up with ideas, my friend Kate was just like, oh, you have to set it in Maine. Maine is super popular right now. <laughs> so that's why we chose that one. But um, the the library one was just, that's where I had trained and that's where I had worked. So it was just like, oh, I need to set it in, you know, my old stomping grounds kind of thing.
1: Of course. Do you happen to find mysteries or romances easier to write?
0: Oh, that's a really good question. And people are usually surprised, uh, mysteries are a lot easier <laughs> for me because, you know, a dead body really moves a plot along, you know, whereas a romance, you know, they don't want the heroine and herald apart for too long, but it's hard to have them like together and pretty much every page. So it's, you know, yeah. And, and, sustaining like authentic emotional conflict for you know 100,000 words is exhausting you know whereas you know the murder mysteries tend to be about 70,000 85,000 words and there's a dead body (laughs) so so yeah I find the mysteries much easier to write but I have more fun in a way with the rom-coms because that's where I really get to play with comedy and so I mean I can do it a little bit in the mysteries but if I I think if I went too far people would be like um someone died let it together (laughs) so I guess I'm lucky that I can write both you know
1: yeah and romance is you're right it can be super fun and there can be a lot of banter or just like the comedy or which yeah. is
0: what I love. Like, if I could read a book that was just banter, I would be ecstatic. I don't need anything else. Just make them charming and delightful, and we're good, you know? Of
1: course. Well, when um, coming up with ideas for romance books or mysteries, and you can feel free to answer one or both, what do you really look for when coming up with ideas?
0: I want something that's going to sustain an entire book. That's the thing I really look for. Um, because when you start writing stories you realize you need to have a couple of subplots in a mystery you need to have viable suspects they can't just be people that you throw in there you know like yeah he could have done it but you know like they really have to you know kind of be a suspect so for me it's it's kind of the viability it's like the i have a i think the one of the rom-coms i recently wrote Paris is always a good idea I knew I had plenty she was going to Europe she was going to find three old boyfriends she was going to be traveling in three different countries it was almost like maybe this needs to be a mini series (laughs) Because there was so much, I mean, I pulled it off in one book, but I, I remember I turned it in. It was like one hundred thirty-five thousand words. My editor was like, "Whoa, whoa!" <laughs> you know? So we had to go through and chop out scenes, which someday I should put out there. Like, oh, this is the wedding she went to that we took totally out, but you know. Um, so yeah, I just need I just need meat. I need a lot of viable stuff happening. You know.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm sure the deleted deleted scenes would be cool to see. It's like what they do with movies and
0: exactly. It's kind of like that extra, little extra. Yeah.
1: Yeah. What made you start writing novellas?
0: That was just kind of a random uh happenstance. Audible was looking for original content for novellas. And you know, I always write a hundred thousand words or 75, 70. And Uh, the novellas they wanted between if I remember right they were looking for between 15,000 and 25,000 words or maybe a little bit more I I can't remember exactly but my agent and I were talking about and she said what do you think about doing original content for Audible and I was like that could be fun and I'm pretty fast if I have a solid plot I can get it done so I knew I could probably write these in a couple weeks and we pitched a bunch of ideas and they were like oh those are great but you know we don't really see jen's books in audible that much we don't really have a sales track for her so we're gonna pass well what i found about myself what i found out about myself is i tend to operate on a little bit of spite (laughs) so when they were like no we're gonna pass i was like oh well i'm gonna write them anyway So I wrote them, and my whole goal was to get them in audio, because I was just like, oh, I'm going to write them, and I'm going to put them in audio, and I'll show you, because spite. And hilariously enough, I wrote them, and then I found a copy editor who edited them, and a cover artist, and she's amazing. So we all started having a lot of fun with these. Ironically enough, um, my agent said, you know, what are you doing with these novellas? Because she wasn't repping them because I was just doing it for fun. And I said, Oh, and I told her, I said, Oh, it was Spite for Audible. And, you know, I'm kind of over that and yada, yada. And she was like, Well, let me see if I can sell them. So then the audio rights went to auction, which was hilarious. And I was like, Auction? And she's like, Oh, yeah, we've got like four bidders. And I was just like, What's happening? <laughs> and then a company, Dreamscape, bought the audio rights. So now they're out in audio too. So despite kind of worked.
1: <laughs> so you published your first novella Royal Valentine in January of this year and your second one released on June 7th of this year the attraction distraction how has that been uh, writing novellas compared to full length novels
0: oh it's fun i mean it's just so much fun and what i was i think when you write a long running series um you tend to get series fatigue and the nice thing about the novellas is it was, they were new. They're a new format. They're short and tight. And, you know, you just kind of, it's kind of like, you just get to write all the good parts. Yeah. So it's been a lot of fun.
1: That's great. What brings you the most joy when publishing your novels and when they're sold? And
0: um, I think it's hearing from the readers, not, like I said, I don't really read reviews. But if I get like a, you know, if I put something up on social media and someone's like, oh, I loved this book, or you know, this meant so much to me, or I was having a terrible day and, you know, your book made me smile. That that's pretty much that's like, yay. <laughs> that's the whole purpose, you know.
1: Of course. Yeah. And it's always, I'm sure it's always great to see the it, readers happy or just excited.
0: Yeah. I no, like it's, yeah, it makes it worth it.
1: Yeah. Well, how has being in COVID been as a writer and um, just in like a worldwide pandemic and has quarantine sort of, or when we were in it, has that, all of this really, has that influenced anything or how's that been for a writer?
0: You know, people have asked that and, and I laugh because I'm like, I feel like the rest of the world got to see what writers are like. Home, alone, working all day. <laughs> it's like, so for me, it didn't change anything, but I felt like everybody around me was like, I'm just on my, I'm at home on my computer all day. And it was like, uh huh. <laughs> welcome, welcome to our world, you know?
1: Yeah, we, ha- Um, <clears throat> I had Chris Gravenstein on episode two, and he's a middle grade novelist, and he was yeah, talking about. Man. Yeah, Yeah, he's awesome. And he was talking about how in COVID, how, you know, everyone had to stay at home, but he just kept saying, like, I already work from my desk at home. So (laughs) it's like every other day for me. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, uh, can you say anything, give any news or information about any upcoming novels or novellas?
0: Uh, well right now I guess what I'm working on is called it happened one Christmas Eve and that's the third of the museum of literature novellas and they're all rom-coms and they're all a fictional. they all come out of a fictional museum of literature that I just dumped in New York because I felt like it because I wanted to go to New York (laughs) but it's fun and it's just book lovers and nerds and you know so that one will come out at the end of the year and then the um Plot in the Pendulum. The next library mystery comes out in October, and then next year we have a hot shot mystery and um, another big women's fiction called Summer Reading. I'm very excited about that one. It's set on Martha's Vineyard, and it's a d- dyslexic heroine and a hot librarian guy. <laughs> I feel like we need hot librarian guys. So yeah, so lots of fun stuff happening. Very exciting.
1: Wow, so it seems, yeah, you're set, and you have, yeah, well, I'll be excited to look for all of those, for sure.
0: Thank you.
1: Well, what do you hope readers will take away from when they read your books?
0: I think over time, I've kind of come to realize that I write ensemble casts, because I just, I love that sense of friendship in a book. You know, because I feel like we're all alone, you know, so much. Even if you have a great group of friends, you're still kind of muddling through by yourself. So I love having like a fictional family or a fictional group of friends that just are comforting and funny and supportive. And you know, yeah, maybe you're solving murders together or maybe you're, you know, trying to navigate a romance. But I think I just I just want to make people happy. I mean, you know, comedy is, shows up in all of my stuff. So it's like, clearly I want to make them laugh. I want to make them happy. And I want them to know you're not alone. You know, we're with you. I'm with you.
1: <laughs> well, they definitely, I was definitely happy after reading the books. <laughs> and I read about a dog first. Um, and my sister, who's six, she's, or sorry, seven. Oh my gosh, which I can't believe, but um, <laughs> she saw me reading it and you know she was like well what's it about and obviously i couldn't give her like a ton of details (laughs) but i said you know it's a romance book and it's about someone who goes back to her hometown after a long time and she finds a stray dog and there's a vet in town who can help her and um and so then my mom had seen the book, I was reading it, and she was like, what's it about? And my sister comes in and she starts describing the entire book that I told her, but even to more detail. And it's so it was insane, because I didn't even told her too much about it. But she just went off in detail about it. And um, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so it definitely they're just really joyful books. And oh, thank you. Smile. Of Great. course. Yeah, I hope to whoever else reads them, they make them smile as well. Um, Looking back when you were younger and 16, when you first kind of realized you wanted to be a writer, could you have ever imagined being where you are now?
0: No, (laughs) no, (laughs) it's pretty, it's, yeah, it's a journey. I think that's what most people, it's never what you expect it's gonna be exactly, um, but it's, you know, it's it's an incredible ride.
1: Yeah, I just can only imagine how crazy it must be to think back and 16-year-old you just like, I'm going to be an author and now.
0: (laughs) They probably would have been like, I thought the house would be bigger. (laughs) I thought you'd drive a nicer car, but okay.
1: (laughs) Well, is there one piece of advice you would give to someone who enjoys writing or an aspiring author
0: I mean, there's so many. You hear all the cliches and, the, or you know, the same advice, write What you want to read and write every day and be persistent, and all of that's true. The sad part of it is all of that is true, and, but I think that the very first book that I sold to Catch a Latte, I wrote you know, after trying all these different things, like, oh, historicals are hot, I'm going to write that, oh, you know, Wall Street, I'm going to write a Wall Street, whatever, because that's hot, or, you know, I was following the market, and I wasn't really writing for myself, and then that one's just set in a coffee shop in Phoenix, it's a romance, but it's got a mystery in it, because I like both, and it was the first one that sold, because I'd gotten to a point where I'd been writing for years, had racked up a ton of rejections, and I just was, so I went all in on comedy and I wrote what made me happy and then sure enough that's what's old you know so after so long of trying to you know be the round peg in the square hole I just was like yeah I'm gonna be square and then <laughs> you know? so I would just say write, write for yourself first
1: yeah that you heard it here everyone <laughs> um it's <laughs> Um, definitely, and I think that can apply for a lot of things in life as well, especially writing, of course, because mm-hmm. you don't want to not enjoy what you're writing.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: Yeah, and you want to be passionate about it, or even it's if it's something you know, like finding a dog or working in a library, like something that you know you enjoyed and you know you can write about, and oh, maybe others will enjoy this.
0: Mm-hmm exactly
1: well Jen I have had so much fun hearing (laughs) your stories and um I this is the most I've laughed in a while so (laughs) thank you for that (laughs) Um, (laughs) it's been so much fun and I learned so much more about your backstory to writing and after reading your books it's it's so fun to hear that
0: thank you it's been delightful what you're a very talented interviewer oh
1: thank you you. i
0: appreciate you
1: (laughs) thank you and i appreciate you as well and thank you so much for being on the podcast my pleasure well where can the listeners find you whether social media or do you have anything you'd like to share
0: um social media um on facebook i have an author page it's just jen mckinley Um, and then Instagram is probably where I, the me real me comes out and that's at McKinley Jen on Instagram, but that's where I show photos of, you know, the insane amount of animals around here. And, and I try to put up jokes and stuff that I think are funny. I'll share them. Um, so it's in what I'm eating because I love food, but (laughs) Instagram. So, and then, um, I don't really do Snapchat. I haven't really gotten onto TikTok because, you know. The books take so much creative energy. I can't really channel it that way. I have to stay on the books. But uh, I am on Twitter, but mostly just to yell at people. So yeah, that's about <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> well, I will be linking those below for the listeners and the website as well. So if they want to check out any of your current books or any upcoming books, they definitely should because they're so good. Yeah. And uh, once again, thank you so much for joining me.
0: Thank you, Gabriel. It's been a pleasure.
1: Likewise. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, like always rate the podcast five stars, subscribe, follow, do whatever you can on the platform that you're listening on. Just remember, episodes release every other Friday. And as always, the podcast social media will be down below, along with the guests social media and websites and whatever they like to share. That way you can check out their social medias, their Goodreads, their websites, whatever it may be, you can learn more about them. If you want to leave a review, I'd be happy to shout you out. And as always, I'd love to get this podcast to other awesome listeners and readers and writers. So like always, spread the word. I'll see you guys next time for episode 13. Bye. Mm